0: On this episode of Own Your Business, I'm gonna share how to talk about budget on the discovery call without sounding awkward. I'll tell you why your contact form is not the time to ask about numbers, how you know it's time to get into pricing, why couples often provide information that could trip you up, and three questions in the exact order if you wanna stop wasting your time and theirs. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who wanna grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own, your business. I spend a lot of my time each week talking one-on-one with clients about how to grow their businesses. This is what I do. I'm a business coach and I love growing companies. I've been doing it since, gosh, 2006 in the wedding industry. Before that, I was working in restaurants. I've done it with hotels. And over the last five years, I spent a majority of my time working one-on-one with wedding professionals to identify what is the goal for them and their company and then also where are they right now? Objectively, where are they at with their processes, with their products and with their current client roster that they have? What do we need to do to get from where they are to where they want to go? And that's always what I'm after. How can we create that path to get there? Part of that is going to be working with the buying experience. The buyer's journey is super important to your growth strategy. You've got to make sure that you have three things that are dialed in on your sales strategy. Number 1, you've got to have a great sales process. Number 2, you've got to have the right messages. And number 3, you've got to have skill in operating the sales process and delivering those messages. So three things. We're talking about the sales process, the sales messages, and then the skills that you have to deliver all of that. Oftentimes, I find that the biggest efficiency is in the sales process. And that's because if sales is about providing the right info at the right time and in the right way, and you go through and you think about where you might be messing it up, it's going to be in one of those three areas, or maybe all three of them. And the most frequent culprit in what keeps people from finding the kind of success that they deserve with the work that they can do directly for clients is going to be related to the sales process. Things are out of order. Right info, wrong time. And this is because buyers want to go through their journey to your services in a relatively similar fashion. They want to be work through the different concerns and issues and desires that they have. They have to realize what those are. And only then after they realize what it is that they want and need, can they hear about your services in a way that means anything to them. When we get, when we get into the sales too fast, when we, when we tell people about the specific things that we do to meet needs that they don't even know about, it doesn't mean anything. And the prices that you charge don't have any value. So oftentimes, wedding professionals are sharing too much about their services and too many specifics about the pricing too early on. And that's what's getting you ghosted, especially if you're doing it on your website. If you have packages on your website, too early. If you have specific pricing on your website, too early. I like starting at price on the website, that's good. Let them know, this is what it takes to to start working with me, that's great. But if you're putting specific products, packages that you offer, and the prices associated with them, it's out of whack. If you're sharing it with them when they inquire with a pricing guide that shares specifics on pricing and packages that you have, out of whack. It's too much too soon. People don't know what they need yet. They know what they want, they say they want a photographer, they say they want a planner, they say they want a stationer, they say they want a floral designer, DJ, lighting, whatever it is. But those are just surface level needs. They're not the deeper needs that they have that are ultimately going to help them make a decision and feel hundred percent that they're making the right choice. They need to have some higher order met. And when that need comes about, when they understand that and can connect what it is that they need with what it is that you offer, that's when they're willing to move forward with the deal, say yes and pay a higher price. That's how it works. So if you're trying to figure out what's broken with your growth strategy, check your sales process. Now, part of the sales process that you've got to spend a lot of time on, and this is what I spend most of my one-on-one coaching with, is the discovery call. The discovery call is the part of the buyer's journey that comes after they inquire and before they get the proposal. And this is a really critical point for you to make an impact with potential clients. This is where you do your sales work. And here's the irony of it. You're not actually selling. That's why I don't call it a consultation or a pitch meeting. This is when you're discovering ultimately what the couple wants and needs, but even more importantly, you're helping them discover what they want and need. You cannot pitch services or talk about pricing or make the ask for them to become your client if they don't know what they want and need. If they don't know what that is, you cannot move forward. Part of the process in the discovery call is of course to connect with a client and of course to discover what they need, but you want to help them discover what they need. And when you do, when you help them have that aha moment, that's when the magic happens. That's when that connection occurs, that deeper connection that's important. Not the, I like pizza too, or yes, that's my favorite place to travel, or oh wow, you like the same soccer team as I do. Or whatever it may be that you have that that common surface level connection with, that's great for starting out the conversation. And I totally encourage you to find some sort of common connection that you have. I mean, I'll connect with people over an area code in their phone number when I call them, whatever it may be. I'm doing research on LinkedIn before I talk to people. I'm going on their Instagram and Facebook. I'm checking out the companies that they work for. I'm, I'm going through and doing a lot of research and I'm going to try and find some point of connection. But the deeper level is what matters most. When we pull back those layers and we get past what school we went to or what area code our phone numbers from, we start to find out that we share the same desire to feel connected with our loved ones or to experience all we possibly can at a wedding celebration because it's a break from day-to-day life or because we really want to be recognized by the people around us as somebody who's made it. All these deeper underlying needs are what we're really after and when we can help those couples discover what they are. That's when we can move forward with them. That's when we can present our services. So We're not actually selling our services on the discovery call. We're trying to identify what services are going to best meet those needs. And part of that process is qualifying the client. When we discover what they ultimately want and need, does that match up with what it is that we ultimately deliver? Sure, we deliver photographs or we deliver a checklist or we deliver a flower arrangement. But is this kind of client going to match up with the deeper needs that we have as a business owner, as a creative, as a wedding professional? Are we going to jive with their personality? Are their priorities overlapping with what we also find important in weddings? Is the project itself going to be something that's going to really stimulate your creativity or excite you or interest you, which can be challenging sometimes after you've done hundreds of events? And is their portfolio going to help build up your business? The images that you can add in the galleries over the coming months and years going to align with the direction you want to take your company? Are they going to feed into that? Is this event going to fit in nicely with your portfolio that you're trying to build? Because ultimately we want to see those aspirational clients come through and we want to make sure that we have the portfolio that's going to attract them. So on the discovery call, we're trying to get this information from them. And when we do, we've got to make a judgment of whether or not it's somebody we want to continue to work with. Ultimately, One of the biggest criteria that we have to make sure is going to be a success is the budget. One of the things that I see a lot in wedding professionals, buyer's journeys that they create for their potential clients is that budget is talked about very, very early. And while I know it's very helpful to know right away if somebody has the budget to be able to work with you, I think that there's a lot of detriment to the relationship that happens when you go straight to talking about budget. Yes, this is a business transaction, but you're also trying to form a connection with another human being. And ultimately, they want you to be somebody who cares about their event and cares about them and their experience and their priorities. And if you show that you care about money, that you see this as mostly a business transaction, even though it is, if you put that out front too early, too often, too loudly, then you're likely to turn away somebody because your values, money, don't align with their values. We want to do it on a discovery call to tap into the deposits that have been made in that trust account over the course of 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes worth of conversation. That's when we can go through and talk about budget. Think about it like dating. Imagine if you went out on the first date, sat down, had a cup of coffee with someone, you're like, so before we get going, I'd like to know how much money you make and what do you think about your career potential? Imagine that, or imagine somebody asked you that. Imagine somebody sat down and said, I'd like to see your bank account before we have a chance to have a cup of coffee. Well, I know this is not a personal relationship and it's a business relationship, a business transaction. We still don't want to come at it like it's all about the money. We want to talk about money, but we want to talk about it in a way that helps them understand how important it is to the conversation and the criteria that they will ultimately use to make a decision on a vendor. And we can do some things in how we shape that conversation to make sure that we're guiding them along in a a way that feels comfortable for them. So we want to talk about budget on the discovery call. We want to do it towards the end after we put those deposits into the trust account, after we found out what it is ultimately they want and need, what their priorities are. We've decided, yes, it's a good fit, and I'm interested in moving this deal forward. We want to talk about how much they can afford to pay for your services. The problem here is that most people don't know what they don't know. They don't know how much things cost. There's no absolute value on anything that anybody does, including the wedding industry. There's no absolute value. It's only relative to what other people are charging or what they've spent on other services in the past. Not just services for you, but services for other things. So, for instance, how much joy Pleasure do they expect to receive, or how much pain will go away depending on how much you can do for them? This is part of the reason why couples reach out to you because they're trying to identify how much things cost. They don't have any baseline number to think about. I mean, they do, and they get it online, and that can be actually unhelpful. It can be almost misinformation, some of the information that's out there online how much you should pay for a photographer, how much as a percentage of the budget you should pay for a planner. Whatever it may be, that information out there is informing them. And so they're inquiring with you to figure out how much things cost. That's part of it. And that's what they ultimately want. That's why they always say the same thing. Are you available? And how much do your services cost? Because they're trying to gauge how much they need to spend. Whether they're doing it consciously or non-consciously, they are getting a lot of information and feeding it into this understanding of how much they feel comfortable paying for the kind of quality that they expect to receive the other thing about budgets and the people who are inquiring with you is that they don't necessarily want to show you their cards they're going into this like a negotiation in many ways even your best clients sometimes your best clients this is what they do for a living they negotiate they look at it as a zero-sum game one person wins another person loses They don't want to show their cards. They don't want to tip their hand to you and say, Hey, this is how much money I'm willing to spend because that then becomes a starting point that you're going to try and get them up. They may lowball you when you ask them for the initial number that they have in mind. I read somewhere that the average height of a male who is on like match.com in their profile, it's like six foot two or something (laughs) because they know that many women don't want to date short men. But women, interestingly enough, understand this because they go out on a couple of dates with men who have increased their height and then they realize, oh, I should just shave two to four inches off of the average male that I find on a match.com profile. This is the same kind of mentality that your clients are going into sharing their budget with you. When they when they say a number, they're underestimating or at least underrepresenting how much money they have in hopes that if you do want them to go up a little bit, that they're going to have some flexibility and some wiggle room in there. So we don't want to ask them too early and we don't want to ask them in the wrong way because they may lowball and use that as an anchor. And that can be a really devastating effect on your ability to get them to say yes at the price that you want to charge. The third thing is that we run into when it comes to budget that makes it challenging is that most people underestimate how much they're willing to spend for something or how long something takes because that's just what we do. It's called the planning fallacy. Many, many people will underestimate how much something costs and how long something takes. Even people who do it professionally, who have tried and failed over and over and over again to do something at a certain number for budget or time, they will still think that they can do it differently and better next time. When couples come to you They may not know what it is that they want and how much it costs. They may not know how much they're willing to spend on something. But more importantly, they may not want to show you their cards and they may intentionally underestimate how much they're willing to spend or unintentionally do so. Now that we know a little bit of the background on what we're trying to do with the discovery call and what are some of the the things that happen inside of the mind of the person who is talking about money for the first time on something that they've never bought Let's dive into what actually goes on in the conversation. When we're talking about budget on a discovery call, what we want to do is we want to let the conversation go towards its natural near conclusion. You should have built some rapport, connected over some things that you need to with the wedding, understood a little bit more about what it is that they want and need for your services, and then you want to share some of the information that you have about things that are important to them, questions that they want answered. Ultimately, you're going to pitch your services in a proposal after the conversation, so you don't need to go into that. And even if they do ask about it, you can only talk, in ge- you should only talk in general terms. And then you can say, but I'm going to send you some specific stuff after we get off the phone. When you get done with that part of the conversation, which is 90 95% of it, that's when you want to pivot to talking about the budget. And it goes something like this. Number one, you want to ask for permission. Okay, you want to ask somebody if they are okay talking about money or talking about expenses or talking about their budget. Because we don't want to come in with this awkward question of like, oh, that sounds great, Sarah and Steve. I can't wait to work with you. By the way, how much money do you have to spend on my services? That's just a weird transition because there is no transition. It's a non sequitur. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that there's that that handoff between the connecting part of the conversation and the business transaction part of the conversation by asking for permission. And it doesn't have to be weird. You can simply say, Sarah and Steve, this sounds like an amazing event. I cannot wait to be a part of it. I've got some options in my mind that I think are going to blow you away and I'd love to share them with you. However, I want to make sure that it's a good fit more than just the personal connection that we have and the the kind of event that you want to celebrate, I want to make sure that because this is at some point something that does cost a lot of money, that you're totally comfortable with the direction that we're going and how much you might spend with me on my services. Or whatever way you want to do it, you're just making that transition of saying, I'm interested, but before we get going too far, let's just take a step back and make sure it's going to be a good fit financially as well. So ask for permission. Can we talk about the budget for a minute? Number one thing that we need to do. Number two, we want to start off by asking about the overall wedding budget, not about how much money they have to spend in your category. This is something that I think is a real value to the conversation, and I'm going to explain why. Number one, most couples know what they're going to spend overall on the wedding. Now, planners and venues on the front end might run into a little bit of challenge on this, but generally speaking, I think a lot of people have a pretty good sense of what it is that they're going to spend And I would ask for the overall wedding budget. I know that there's, especially with planners, a a desire to ask how much money per person are you willing to spend. And that may be helpful, although I think that requires somebody to do math. Because I think that most people know how much money they want to spend all together and how many people they're going to have. And and I know it's just a simple division equation, but we want to make sure that we're just making it easy for them. More importantly, for the psychology of pricing, though, we want to make sure that we're setting a high anchor in the conversation by getting them to name a high number. So if they have 200 people and they're spending $500 a person, that's $100,000. And what we want to do is we want to use bigger numbers to anchor in their mind non-consciously a higher amount. And that's going to help raise up the second number that they name, which is when we're going to ask about how much money they have set aside for somebody in your vendor category. Yes, we could ask for per person, but let's really focus on getting that number high. Now, this is a big deal. This guy, Daniel Kahneman, who was a Nobel Prize winning economist about 20 years ago, he and another colleague of his had done a lot of experiments with this. And it's very interesting. You can go through and look at it. But this anchoring principle is what won him the Nobel Prize. This and a couple of other things. And it's been shown to be true time and time again that if you can get somebody to name a bunch of numbers really high or even to think about or write down higher numbers, chances are that the next number that they name is going to be higher than if you had started off with a low number. So that's why we want to start off with the overall wedding budget. We also want to start off with the overall wedding budget because we want to get a sense for how much money they are spending on the overall party. You should know with your ideal clients, how much money they spend on the overall party. This will give you the best sense right away on whether or not they are the kind of client that's going to meet your needs for creativity and for your portfolio and for the kind of priorities that you want to see with clients. It also allows us to use percentages to identify what is actually a realistic number for us within our budget category. For instance, if you know that you're a photographer and you are coming in at, you know, call it six to 8% of the budget and they tell you that they got a hundred grand for the overall wedding experience, you know that their budget should be around six to 8%. So if they lowball you and say they've only got four in the budget, that's a conversation that you can have with them. If they say they have 10 in the budget, then you know that you've got some room to really pack it in there. And when you weigh that against the priorities that they've stated, it's a great formula for you to see how good of a fit this could be for you so we're going to ask for permission we're going to ask for the overall wedding budget and then we're going to ask for if they've set aside an amount in your category do you have an idea ask them for that yes or no if they say no then you can have a conversation with them about you know how how they could come up with that or you know some things that other people tend to spend based on their priorities or if they tell you, yes, we do, then you say, great, I'd love to know what's kind of a high and a low that you're trying to keep things in. And we want to ask it in somewhat that way because we want them to name a range that, that, that primes them for flexibility. And if we get them to say the high number first and then the low number, again, they'll use that anchoring technique on themselves to get themselves to name a higher number for what they have in that range. Another thing that we want to ask them as a follow-up question once we do get that number is how rigid is it or how flexible is that? And, and then once we know that, what would impact it going up or down? If, if it's flexible, well, what would, imp- what, would, what would bring you to raise up that number? Or what would, what would get you to the higher end of that number? What's important on that? Eventually, you're going to get those two pieces of information. You're going to decide if it's a good fit or if it's not. If it's a good fit for you based on the information that they've shared, and all of the other things you did to qualify them on their personality and their priorities and the portfolio opportunities and the project itself. If all of those things go together with price, then it's time to move forward. If it's not, if their highest number is lower than your low number, you've got to have a quick little decision in mind. I like to use about 20% as a difference between their highest and your lowest. If it's within 20%, I still think there's something to do. I think that there's an opportunity. But if it goes... 20, 30, 40% between their highest and your lowest, at that point, I, I got I to gotta recommend that you have the conversation with them on the phone and just say, hey, look, I think that you have a great event in mind. I think that you've set aside a lot of money, not just for the wedding, but for a vendor in my category. But I got to tell you, the stuff that I know that I do for my clients that you have fallen in love with on my portfolio that you've seen in my Instagram feed that I've shared on Pinterest, all of those are based on budgets that, frankly, are more than yours. And I don't want you to think that if you sign an agreement with me with your budget that you're going to get the same thing. And I just don't know if I can close that expectation gap And make you feel good about the choice. I'd rather have you pick somebody who you would feel 100% comfortable with and know that you're going to get the kind of services that you've seen in their portfolio and the reviews have demonstrated for the budget that you have set aside. Would you like me to send you some people that I trust and respect in the industry that would be able to do that for you? That's the way you kind of let them down with the soft landing. And I find that that's a a nice segue into them being able to say, thanks so much. Or, you know what? Actually, I do think that we have some more flexibility in the number. And then they come back at you with a conversation about how they could increase how much money they have to spend with you. These are some of the basics that I hope you take away when it comes to talking about budget and how nuanced it really can be based on how people approach the conversation and non-consciously what we do even though we don't know when we're on the customer side of the conversation knowing these things you can factor that in and ultimately shape how you guide the process how you guide the conversation so that it's comfortable for both sides and when you do that you're much more likely to prevent yourself from sending out proposals that are unlikely to get returned with a yes, worrying about getting ghosted, trying to figure out what you did that was wrong. The problem wasn't that you sent out a bad proposal. The problem was that you didn't spend enough time at the end of the conversation on the discovery call, qualifying them and making certain that the budget was going to be a good fit. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your client's time by not digging into this before the end of the call. Boom. That's it for this episode on own your business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know, I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through.